out that there is no such thing. Well, let me say, let me put it this way. So my own life uh, faith uh, began when I decided to put my my hope in, in in Jesus. In fact, I was eight years old when I decided to try um, decided to follow Jesus with with my life. I was baptized in Him. In fact, I I remember kind of kind of vividly um, the church that I grew up in. It, it um, Kind of, kind of, there was this back door, and you went up some stairs to get to the back door, kind of like our little middle door that's here, and then there were some stairs that went straight up uh, to the back hallway of the church where the baptistry was, and I still remember, like it was yesterday, making a decision to follow Jesus, and that morning that I was to be baptized, I remember running up those stairs, excited as an eight-year-old child can possibly be, thinking, today I'm living into life. This is what my church has taught me, that I'm giving my life to Jesus and eternal life today is mine. And I had this kind of crazy image of what heaven would be like with um, 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 uh, streets of gold and the best milk ever and Cheerios uh, uh, unlimited. And, And I'm thinking I'm going to accept that like today when I get baptized, I'm going to have all you can eat Cheerios and the freshest milk ever that never goes old. And I gave my life to Christ at eight years old. And there's that life of living out our faith. But then there's these kind of trying moments. I remember when I was 18, I felt like I was at a crossroad in my faith. I was a follower of Jesus. I still believed in Jesus. I was following him with all my heart, but I had given over control of my life and my story to Jesus, and I was trying my hardest to live for him with my all. And I remember there was this moment where I needed to regain control of my story because I didn't like the way that God was writing it. And I was trusting him less and less with my story because after all, I had my own hopes and dreams of how this thing would turn out. And God wasn't leading me in the way that I had planned and written for my own life. And I found myself at a crossroad and I, at that crossroad, surrendered again my life to Jesus, and I said to him, I am yours, and I will follow you wherever you lead. And he led me to where I am today. Never would I have imagined that I would be standing here before people, but that crisis moment in my faith, I was trying to regain control, and God relentlessly pursued me and said, don't follow your own way and your own destiny. Follow my way, and my way is so much greater. And I found myself saying yes to the Lord again. And I found myself in ministry pastoring a church And at 28 years old, as a pastor of a church, for the very first time, I hit another crisis moment in my faith. And this time, I wasn't just struggling with will, trying to rewrite my story. I was struggling with doubt, not knowing exactly what I believed, wanting to rewrite truth, yet standing before a church and preaching the gospel, not knowing that I fully believed even what I was saying, I was trying to rewrite truth and make God into my image. It was a hard and dark and lonely moment in my life, and even in that space, God relentlessly 
pursued me. And I got to know God better. The God who relentlessly pursues us. The God that we can either grow tired of running from or we can give in and fall into his marvelous grace and goodness. And there I was wanting to walk away from the church. But there was a good God that was relentlessly pursuing me. You see, the life of faith isn't as simple as simply saying yes one day and being thrown into a category where all of a sudden we can now call ourselves Christians. But in John chapter 7, what we're seeing is that the life of the faith is a result of daily decisions that we must make every single day. Daily decisions that many men and women of faith before us made every single day. And as a result of those daily decisions, they led them to an eternal destiny with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I want to be there. I want that destiny to be my destiny. And so as the Lord fights for me, I've made up in my mind that I'm going to choose to fight the good fight of faith because what we see in scriptures in John chapter 7 in particular that there are all kinds of forces and all kinds of factors that are warring for our soul and are tugging us away from Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In John chapter 7 verse 25 there's some of the the people in Jerusalem and they believe that their trusted religious leaders are now working against them. Listen to what they say. Some of the people of Jerusalem were saying Is this not the man who they're publicly seeking to kill? They're talking about the Pharisees. They were publicly seeking to kill Jesus. And here Jesus is preaching openly, and they're not not killing him. In verse 26, it says, look, he's speaking publicly, and they're not saying anything to him. The rulers do not know that he is the Christ, do they? And so some light bulbs are going on in their head and they're going, someone in my life might be deceiving me. Maybe this is the Christ. But what we're seeing here is that there's external influences in our lives that will pull us away from trusting Jesus Christ with our all. And we look a little bit further in this same passage in verse uh, 27. They're looking at their own even preconceived ideas of what Jesus would do. Their minds are tugging at them away from the Lord because they're going, we always thought that God would act in this way and God would not allow this to happen or this to be. In verse 27 it says, however, we know where this man is from, but whenever the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. And so they had their own preconceived ideas of what God would do. And so there's these external factors, these people that are trying to dissuade them from following Christ. There's this internal struggle that's happening in their minds that won't allow them to follow Christ. And then there's this tugging at their hearts that's happening. Is tugging for them to follow Jesus. And this is a scenario that repeats itself over 
and over and over again in our society. Not in the exact same way that it was for the people in Jesus' day, but it repeats itself in the fact that there are external factors that are waging war against our soul that are trying to pull us away from being followers of Jesus Christ. There are internal struggles which are existing in our own minds and sometimes we might not ever speak of them or ever say a word about them and not even want to admit them to our closest friends. But all the while, we experience God by His Spirit tugging at us to come and trust Him and know Him. And we have to make a decision every moment of every day whether we are going to give in to these external and internal influences that are waging war against our soul, or we're going to let go and let ourselves fall into the goodness and grace of God. And when we decide to let go and fall into the goodness of grace of God, we are secure in his arms and in his presence, and he takes us where we were created to be, which is fully present with the Lord God all. Mighty, that's the miracle of God. That's the power of God. That's what only our God is able to accomplish. And so this morning, I think if I had just one thing that was a challenge for us as a church, maybe it's a question. It's what, um, what factors in your life, internal, external, what factors in your life are waging war against your soul, are preventing you from following Jesus with your all? What in your life is hindering you from making a decision? Not, not, not the big decision where you said, yes, I believe that Jesus is Christ, Son of the living God, and you were baptized into him and the church clapped. Not, not the big decision, right? I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the everyday decisions to follow Jesus. Because you remember a couple of weeks ago when we see that there were the disciples that turned and walked away. That was at the moment they realized that following Jesus was a lot more complex and complicated and required a whole lot more of them than they recognized that it would. They turned away and they walked. And I think the scriptures are challenging us to ask what factors in my life are tugging at my heart and tugging me away from Jesus. And here's the thing that we must do, right? We must be willing to name them and then make the decision to make war against them because they started it. <laughs> they started it. They threw the first rock. They're waging war against your soul, and we must fight back against them because the Lord God Almighty is victorious. 
and he's claimed us as his own. And the only thing that will keep us from Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is our refusal to fight against the factors, the powers in this world that are waging war against our soul. In John chapter 7, we see that as people begin to believe in him, where am I? In verse 30, let's just pick up there. Um, So it says, um, so they were seeking to seize him, and no man laid his hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Verse 31, but many of the crowd believed in him, and they were saying, when the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? But then look at verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to seize him. See what happens there, right? When people begin to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the rulers of the day, the religious establishment, they issue Jesus' arrest warrant. They had already warned people not to follow Jesus, not to make him their Lord and Savior. They had already threatened people to put them out of the synagogue and to have them uh, uh, to remove their community from them. And now when that doesn't work, they put out an arrest warrant for Jesus Christ. Because at every turn, as people are putting their hope and faith in him, what we begin to see in Scripture is that Jesus has a powerful enemy. And not just Jesus, but that Jesus and his followers have a powerful enemy. John refers to him in multiple places in this gospel as the ruler of this world. He's powerful and persistent. And there are things in our lives that at every single turn will pull us away from following Jesus and making him Lord and Savior and making the daily decision to follow him. And if we're not willing to make this life war, war against those things, if we're not willing to fight, to fight with our all, then it's not possible for us to be followers of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel teaches us that there's no such thing as a cultural a nominal, a half-hearted Christian. My, my life, my life has been challenged. My life has been challenged by Paulette's life. Because if there's one thing she did, it was through hardship and through struggle and through all kinds of forces that were tugging at her heart away from Jesus and factors that were waging war against her soul. In fact, there's a song they play on the radio that says, never would have made it without you. And somehow I believe that that was her song to God the whole day long, every single day, is I never would have made it without you at the end of the day. I never would have made it without you because you were there strengthening me to wage war against these things that were waging war against my soul. 
and 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 somehow at some point we have to reject the lie that our world teaches us. That it's weak to have to depend on someone else. Because that keeps us from depending fully on God. I believe that God wants to do things in our life that are impossible apart from his strength and our willingness to depend and trust in him. And we must be willing to let go and let God lead. I'm thankful this morning that we have an example in Miss Paulette. And we have a hope that God has kept his promises to her and will keep his promises to us. This morning we're going to share in a time of communion. Um, there's these four tables around the room um, and the tables are there. Um, their communion is prepared on the tables. And we're going to sing a song. And whenever you're comfortable, feel free to make your way to one of these four tables. But also, let's, let's just be in community with one another. Even as we, as we mourn, let's be in community with one another. Hug someone. Give someone a smile. Encourage someone. Let's be in community with one another. After all, the church is not an event. It's not a program. It's a community. So as we share in communion and we're reminded that God chose to be in community with one another, he's also sending us to be there for each other. So let's pray and we'll share in this time. God, we give you thanks this morning that you, that you never leave us nor forsake us. We're thankful for your great and precious promises in which we find hope. And God, I declare today that all the things in this world that wage war against our soul, God, we rebuke them and we declare they have no place in our lives that the persistent and powerful enemy, the ruler of this world, has no place in our lives because, as John says, greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. There is one who has chosen to fight for us. And he's already won the victory for us 
It is ours. And God, please help us to fight, to hold on to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. It's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.